Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Good morning. I hope all of you are doing well. Welcome to our online Sunday celebration. And as you could probably tell, you're probably surprised. It's a little bit unexpected. You're probably thinking, why is Pastor Bo here? And why am I here? Why are we here up together? But uh, there's a reason why. And so hopefully uh, today that you'll be blessed. Once again, we're really thankful for all those who are serving. As you know, that there's so much going on in the background just to get this online. So if you meet some people from the... Uh, hospitality team or to those who are in the docks, uh, all those other people who are serving worship, every just give them a shout out and uh, thank them. We wanted to uh, take this time and we're going to start a whole new series, uh, especially this coming Advent season, and it's simply called Unexpected. And the reason why for those of us who might not be have a church background, you probably not know, you probably do not know what Advent is, and just a little summary. Uh, Advent is pretty much four Sundays before uh, uh, Christmas uh, Day, where the birth of Christ. And it really is a a time of longing and waiting, anticipating the birth of Christ. Uh, The very reason why Jesus had to come into this world is to save people like us. And through that, as he lived his life and died on the cross, resurrected from the dead, that is where our hope is at. So that's why as we think about Christmas it's a time of Advent, of longing and waiting, anticipating for the birth of Christ. And so we're looking forward to what we're going to be uh, presenting to you. As today, we're going to be sharing a little bit about this idea of trust. What does it mean to have this unexpected trust? So uh, we're going to try to, this is our first time, so I, I don't know. We, uh, we're going to do our best to try to see if this works or not. If it doesn't work, You'll probably just see me next week. Uh, just kidding. We're going we're gonna to make sure that uh, both of us are on it. And uh, we're going to try to make this a little bit more interactive. And so that it could be something that we can uh, share the heart of Christmas with you. So I, I was just wondering, uh, Pastor Bo, is there like an Advent memory or something you look looking forward to for Advent? Well, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. So yeah, Advent was never a thing uh, when I was younger. I would look forward to Christmas presents. That was the main thing. Um, just, you know, being able to open up gifts with the family. So that's something I I was really looking forward to. But I think after becoming part of our church and learning more of the meaning of Advent, I think one thing I really look forward to is the Christmas songs that actually the band, the worship team sings. Um, uh, whether it's in the past or even the ones that Are were sung sure today. Are you sure it's not because of uh, the worship leader? <laughs> maybe, maybe the worship okay, leader. Okay, yeah. just, okay, just wanted to get that straight. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, for me, I'm looking forward to it because it's always a good reminder. Uh, this season is going to be a little bit sad because our kids uh, will not be here. Uh, our, just our youngest one, but our two boys won't be here. So usually it's a time of just putting up the Christmas tree, gathering together, thinking about uh, Jesus. And so... But we're really looking forward to this series. It's a three-part series. We're going to first cover this idea of unexpected trust, as we talked about. And then the second thing that we're going to be talking about is this unexpected joy that we have uh, because of Jesus Christ. And then we're going to be looking, lastly, at the unexpected praise. So we're just using the text from the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1, and looking at those three things of this unexpected trust, unexpected joy and unexpected praise so i wanted to just start off and show you this quick video because 
Uh, I think this will help us to understand what happens to people when there are things that are unexpected. Now, for many of us, it could be a good thing, a good unexpected surprise, or it can be a really scary or a bad unexpected surprise. So I wanted to show you this video, and let me just kind of cue it up so you understand. It, it was a prank that was done in New York City. And th those of you who know about uh, telekinetics, right, just all those scary kind of movies, sci-fi movies. And so they decided to recreate something like that. And what I want you to do as you watch this video is to look at the response of the people. Look at their faces, look at how they respond to the situation. So let's go ahead and watch this video together. Can you imagine? Crazy. When you think about <laughs> when you think about that situation, I don't know how you would have responded, but once again, this is New York City, so there's some weird stuff going on. But uh, how about you, Pastor Bro? How would you respond? I would record a video first and then run. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's definitely not something I would want to stick around for. It's crazy when you think about just the unexpected things that happen on a regular basis throughout the day. And this is just kind of like a prank, but just think about real life. I think for many of us, we understand how difficult things become, especially when you're trying to live every single day. Something happens. It's unexpected. And a lot of times when you focus on the situation, it could get very overwhelming. And that's why I think when you think about the unexpected things in life, it really is connected a lot to this topic of trust. It's connected to this idea of prayer. Because there are things sometimes out of your control. There's nothing you can do. For some of us are things that we did not do or we did do and there are consequences. And so these things come into our lives. But there are other things that are outside of our control, unexpected. And the question is, what will you do? How will you trust? Are you going to trust in God or trust in yourself? Um, that's why I really like what E.M. Bound said as he talked about trust and prayer. He says this in the book, The Necessity of Prayer. He writes this, Trust perfected is prayer perfected. Trust looks to receive the thing asked for and gets it. Trust is not a belief that God can bless or that he will bless, but that he does bless here and now. Trust always operates in the present tense. Hope looks towards the future. Trust looks to the present. Hope expects. Trust possesses. Trust receives what prayer acquires. So what prayer needs at all times is abiding and abundant trust. What a great reminder for us as we think about just this quote. This idea that hope is a little bit different from trust, even though they're related. Because hope is something in the future, but trust is about right now. Especially when you go through unexpected things. So let me give us the one thing. The one thing is this, as we think about the Advent season, as we move forward and try to trust in God, especially when we're facing a lot of difficulties in our lives. The one thing is simply that letdowns can cause us to distrust, but God is worthy of our trust. So once again, it is that letdowns or disappointments can cause us to distrust, but God is worthy of our trust. So what we wanted to do at this time is that we also wanted to provide, as many of you are meeting in your life groups, we wanted to provide this time for you to kind of get into huddle groups. We'll have two throughout uh, the sermon. And so that uh, as we talk about these topics, that it will be something that we can process together. So here's the first uh, huddle group. 
here are two questions that we want you to discuss. First of all, how do you think you would have responded if the telekinetic prank at the cafe happened to you? And the second question is, have you ever experienced an unexpected moment that surprised you? So whether it's in a good way or a bad way. All right, so we'll give you about six and a half minutes. How about that? So hopefully you can go ahead and talk. Please don't delay too long. Just jump right into it and uh, talk about these two questions and then we'll bring you back. So have a great time. Awesome. Hopefully you had a great uh, huddle group. I heard some horror stories of <laughs> different things that were going on in people's past. But even as we, you know, go into just the text, I think, Pesa, one question that I had was, um, you know, we all face letdowns in our lives. And sometimes it's, it is difficult to trust because it has such a big effect on us. So the question is, you know, what is it that will really help us to actually trust despite letdowns that we have? Um, yeah. And what are some things that we can really hold on to, even though we have some of these experiences in our lives? Yeah, I think for many of us, uh, we still need to ask God to transform our minds and to think more biblically. Uh, many of us, we trust in ourselves. We trust in our upbringing. That's maybe not grew up in a, you didn't grow up in a Christian home or with a Christian values. And so uh, when we look at this passage in Luke chapter one, I want to talk about two things and uh, bring up two things of two principles or two ideas that will help us to trust in God because he is worthy of our trust, uh, especially when we face some of the letdowns in our lives. So let me talk about these. So let me first talk about the first one. The first one is this, that God's unbreakable promise. This is very, very important to remember God's unbreakable promise. So let's go ahead and read Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 27. I'm going to just start off with these two verses because this is going to help us to uh, get a better idea of uh, the text and what's happening here. So let me go ahead and uh, read it. It's, it's up there, so if you could kind of follow along as well. It says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So what we see here is that we have to remember that when we go through unexpected times, we have to look at the promises of God. And so the, you'll find it in sometimes the most unlikely of places. It seems really unlikely that it will come out of a couple Nazareth, very unexpected. How, how does it actually happen that way? Yeah, that's why we were looking at this passage, and I think this will be really helpful for you. Uh, it's significant that God sent the angel to Gabriel in the city of Nazareth. Now, many of you might not have any idea about the city, but the reason why it's significant is because it's in the region of Galilee. And not only is it in the region of Galilee, but one of the things you have to understand is that there are many negative views of people who come from this area. It was a very small little town. In fact, a lot of times they would say that it's very insignificant. It is despised. And that's why, if you remember the story about Jesus calling uh, the disciples, do you remember Nathaniel? And when his brother came and said, hey, you got to come and check out uh, the Messiah. Do you remember what he said in John chapter 1, verse 46? Let me read it for you. It says this, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And in the message translation it says Nazareth. You gotta be kidding. So this idea is that there's no way that a Messiah can come out of 
this town of Nazareth. And so this is the part I want you to understand why these two verses are important as we set up the story. Is that here is God in his sovereignty who's in control. And he decided to save the world. And he was going to send his one and only son. And he decided to send him to this little town and be born in this place of Nazareth. When you think about that, you realize it is sometimes in the most unlikely places in the unexpected times and unexpected places that we actually see the promises of God becoming a reality. So when you think about Joseph and Mary as they were coming together, a husband and wife, uh, the thing that we see here also is that they were betrothed together to get married. Now, some of you are like, what is that word? It's an old English word. But something that you need to understand is back in the day, and I think we still see it in some uh, countries here in Asia, is that when a couple was, uh, they were betrothed to get married, they were pretty much engaged. But it was not the engagement that you see in today, but pretty much engagement meant they were actually married. And they were going to consummate the marriage during that wedding ceremony that they would have. So can you imagine this little town of Nazareth, Mary and Joseph, as they were betrothed to get married, and they did not have uh, the ceremony yet. But here's this angel, the angel Gabriel, and he comes and he says that I, he's going to give him a pro uh, give her a promise that she needs to hold on to. So with the speech that you know they have, Mary has with the angel. Like, there's a lot of things that people can say. There are a lot of words that can be spoken. But what is it about these promises that are so significant that makes an impact in Mary's life? Yeah. So, once again, we're, we're talking about how God's unbreakable promise and why that's so important when we go through unexpected times. And the thing about his promise that's so different from all of our promises and the promises that we hear from people is that the first thing is that it's, it's the promise of God's presence. It's the promise of God's presence. Let's go ahead and read verse 28 through 30, and we'll see this. And it says this. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So we see here Gabriel appears to Mary and she greets, he greets her with this assurance that the Lord is with you. Now, this is very important, this phrase, the Lord is with you. Because all throughout the Bible, as many of you know, that oftentimes God clearly shows himself that he is with his people. And that he shows himself in his presence. He manifests in a theophany, which is the very physical manifestation of God himself. And then Mary says here that she was greatly troubled. But then Gabriel tells her not to be afraid. Now, that phrase is also very, very important because you'll see this all throughout the Bible. And in fact, the King James Version of this Luke passage says, fear not. How many times throughout Scripture have you seen stories where God says, fear not, don't be afraid? And this is why God is constantly reminding his people not to be afraid because God is with us. Even Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, if you remember in the New Living Translation, and why don't you read the yellow section, and probably no one's around you, but go ahead and just say it out loud. 
Read it along with me. It says this. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is what? It says with you wherever you go. So here's God always reminding us that no matter what unexpected thing that we may face in our lives, that he is always with us. That is a promise that no one else can give with 100% certainty. And then you see here that the reason why he reminds them is because they're facing insurmountable challenges. Think about the Israelite people trying to go through the wilderness. Think about just all the different wars that they had to face, all the different times when they struggled. Just think about those moments, God reminding them that I am with you. Now, for those of us who know this very well, even though you know this, it's one, that's one thing, but to actually live it and to feel it is a whole different thing. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And those of us who understand the spiritual battle, I think sometimes Satan uses isolation. He loves to pull us away from community so that we will start thinking to ourselves, well, I can do this on my own. Or maybe God is not strong enough to do this. And that's why the challenge for us is, do you know that God is with you? And that's why when we think about this whole Advent season, the great promise that God gives as we think about the birth of Jesus, it's really his presence. If you think about the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. It says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Listen carefully. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. What a greatest reminder. It is the greatest reminder that his very presence is given to us by his son, Jesus Christ. And that's why he is Emmanuel, God with us. It's really powerful because I think sometimes we try to overcome our fears and just try to be like strong about it. Yeah. But then just that insight about it's you can be f courageous because God is with you. It's not because you're doing it on your own. I think that yeah. that's really good insight. Yeah. Because oftentimes we think that we got to be brave and try to do all this stuff, but yeah. we can't. Sometimes those things that we face in our lives are so hard that we need to be reminded that it's not us. You know, only God is greater and stronger than the things that we're facing. Well, the second thing that we want to highlight here is not only the promise of God. So we're talking about God's unshakable promise, why that is so needed when we face unexpected times. So not only is the promise of God's presence given to us, but now we see the promise of God's provision is given to us. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 31 through 33 and listen to what it says here. It says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give you or give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So here's Gabriel and he begins to mention about who's uh, Mary's son, who he's going to be and how it's going to be uh, come about the fulfillment of, God, uh, fulfillment of God's provision of saving the world. And it says the son will be called Jesus because he's going to be the Messiah. Now, something that we need to understand clearly as we look into this passage is there is no mention of Jesus being the Messiah. It just seems like there's all these different phrases 
that alludes to the fact that he is going to be the Messiah. So I want to kind of highlight those phrases as we just read them. There are uh, several things here. The first thing is that it says he will be great and call the son of the most high. Now, why is this important? Because back in the day, whenever they used the son of, that it, it was a reminder that they had the same similar traits of the father. So that's why when he says the son is going to be born, he's going to be named Jesus, and he is the son of the most high, he's saying that he is in the very nature of God. Another thing you will notice is that he will be given the throne of his father, David. Now, why is this important in alluding to his messiahship? It's because God promised David that he will always have a descendant sitting on the throne forever. And that's why we see this in Psalm 89. If you look at Psalm 89, verse 3 and 4, listen to what it says in the New Living Translation. The Lord said, I will make a covenant with David, my chosen servant. I have sworn his oath, this oath to him. I will establish your descendants as kings forever. They will sit on your throne from now until eternity. So this idea of the throne, the king that will sit from his descendants on. That's why if you look at the genealogy of Jesus, if you look through that genealogy, you realize God was faithful to this promise. That not only was he going to be with us, but that you'll see that he will give the provisions for us. And then the third and last thing that we see here that's alluding to the Messiahship is that it says he, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. This is a very strong prophetic word. It's a prophetic word in the Old Testament about how David and his descendants will reign. God's kingdom will never end. Let me give you one verse just to support this. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, uh, bravo to 13, and then verse 16. It says this, I will raise up your offspring after you. You shall come from who, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. So once again, when we think about this, it, it, it is this promise that's unshakable. That he, he says, I will be with you, and then I will provide this Messiah for you so there will be salvation. So no matter what we face in our lives, we're able to go through it because we trust in Him. I mean, so what you're saying is as long as we have His promise, as long as we have His provision, then we're going to be able to go through everything. But I think sometimes, you know, many of us in our church and many of us who are else tuning in online, you know, it's still hard, right? It's still hard in that moment. So I don't, I don't know, do you have an example or something that you've gone through personally in your life that can illustrate that? I mean, there, there are many. Um, and uh, just something more recently that kind of happened is some of you know that I've always struggled a lot with the issue of being the firstborn son in a Korean culture where I was supposed to take care of my parents. And when I felt that God was calling me to be a pastor, go into the full-time vocational ministry, I really got reassurance from the Lord that he was going to provide for my parents. He was going to take care of them. Uh, he was going to provide for my family. And there are many times where I doubted. There are many times where I wasn't, I wasn't really 100% sure. I knew it here, but I didn't really know it in my heart. But there were times when he would just show himself faithful and powerful. 
And just recently, some situations happened uh, back at home. And as I've been talking with my family, I just realized, once again, that kind of stirred up in my heart. Like, are you trusting God? Can you trust in him? Because now my parents are in their 80s. And I realized that there's so many things going on that I wish I was there. And that's my side of me that I want to kind of control. And God is reminding me that I'm going to provide. I'm going to be with them. And so just learning how to surrender. And so it's, it's almost like a daily thing. We have to do it year after year, month after month, week after week, day after day, hour by hour, learning how to trust in him and him alone. So I'm wondering, how about us? I, I don't know where you are. I'm just wondering where your trust level is. Are you going through things in your life where you need God to help you just to remind you about his presence, to remind you that he is the one who will provide as he provided for the savior of the world to come into this place. I'm just wondering, are you able to experience his presence in the midst of everything that's going on? No matter how hard it is, I'm wondering if you're able to just feel, maybe you can't feel it tangibly, but you just sense it, this overwhelming peace that you start getting because God is with you. So God's unbreakable promise. So let me just go ahead and pause here again. We're going to have you get into huddle groups. And the two questions that I want us to talk about as we cover this first point is, what is it about a promise that produces excitement in us, but at the same time, it makes us fearful or even hesitant? The second question is this, why are God's promises so hard to believe in? And uh, why is it so hard to be lived out in a believer's life? All right, so I'm going to go ahead and give you um, another six and a half minutes to go ahead and talk about those two questions. Just jump right into it because these questions require a little bit more time and go ahead and share and then we'll bring you back and close out with the second point. Okay, so we want to come back together and hopefully in your discussions and your huddle groups, you're able to go a little bit deeper in uh, how God's unbreakable promises are able to help you actually trust in him a little bit more. Let's go into the second point, uh, which is not only God's unbreakable promises, which is something that we need to know, but also God's unshakable power. We want to be able to see and know God's unshakable power. So when we continue to read uh, in this passage, our, our question is, how does Mary respond to everything that has been prophesied over her? And, and, and what does she actually do in response to this promise that the angel Gabriel actually gives her? So let's read uh, verse 34 together. It says, it says, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? So it's, it's a really innocent question that it seems like Mary's just asking. And uh, one thing that we actually notice about it is not only shows amazement, but also shows a sense of like unbelief or disbelief. Uh, I, I think that's actually pretty normal for someone to be asking this kind of question because most of the time we're just naturally trusting in, on our own power, right? We only think in a way that is within our own realm or our own understanding of how the world works. But the thing is, this, that's not how God works. Uh, God works in ways that we don't understand. And so for us to really see God's power, we have to think outside of ourselves. And it's also a reminder of how it's, it's a, a reminder and a foreshadow of how God is going to bring his Messiah into the world, which is by his power, which is supernaturally, not in a way that we expect, not in a way that we somehow can understand. And sometimes this is a lesson that we have to learn over and over again, because when we trust, you know, within our own human means, then it seems like a lot of things aren't, aren't possible. It seems like a lot of things are 
out of our control, but it's when it, things are, you know, we're weak and we're embracing that, that's when God's power is really evident. And, and I think, you know, if I were just to ask you, have you ever been 100% in control in your life? Of course. <laughs> of course not. No, right? Cause, because not everything in life happens as we plan it. And it really shows us sometimes when we think or when we want to believe that everything happens in our life as we plan, it just reveals there's a deeper sense of pride in our lives. It reveals that um, there's something about the world that we want it to happen this way when that's not how the world actually works. And that's maybe something that God is trying to get our attention of. And that's what Mary is expressing in, in the way that she asked that question. And I think part of it, part of submitting to God's power is just being open and available to what it is that God wants us to do and how he wants us to respond. And uh, I like this quote by Daryl Bach uh, from a commentary. He says in, in his commentary in Luke, he says, Mary reflects the person whom God unexpectedly chooses to use. She brings no outstanding credentials to the task and lives on the edge of the nation. She brings nothing on a resume other than her availability and willingness to serve. But those characteristics are the most basic ones anyone can offer God. So she puts to use, she, so he puts her to use in his plan, taking her through a process for which she has no training or preparation. He simply promises to be with her in the journey, and she responds by being willing to go on the ride. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a really great quote. And, you know, as I was kind of thinking about the story, I guess another question that comes up is that I'm trying to put myself in Mary's situation. And when they're telling me I'm going to be with a child, not that I know what that feels like, but you know, but you ladies might. But just this idea of this impossible thing. So my first... I, I guess maybe I just want to kind of ask you as you're expounding on this point is that Mary probably had a lot of questions, a lot of questions. And I think this is something that we have to kind of talk about because we go through a lot of honest and real questions when we are asked to do something or where there's things that are unexpected that we're not looking forward to. So what do you do in those situations? Yeah, I mean, if, if I agree, first of all, I, I think if Mary had just out of the blue, just trusted, then I think that would be something that's difficult for us to relate to uh, and actually step forward. But, you know, in this passage, she hasn't quite gotten there yet. Um, and it's actually the following things that she mentions, or actually what the Gabriel, the angel mentions that really helps her to actually put that trust in that greater power. Um, I mean, if you think about it logically, who's going to believe that getting pregnant without... Um, you know, having some sexual intercourse is going to happen or okay, that's even immoral, listen. right? In yeah. some ways. Um. <laughs> it's okay. That's, that's the official term. Yes, official term. You know, we believe in officially <laughs> saying the term. <laughs> but, you know, things like what's going to happen to her reputation? Yeah. What are her family going to think? You know, there's a lot of social pressure. I think that would have been really bad um, for her as a young girl in that time. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, not that we're in that situation, but many of us, we might have similar questions like that. Mm -hmm. Whether it's like, you know, how am I going to get through this season with COVID? Right? God, what are you doing in this situation? Uh, what's going to happen to my business or my job or my salary or the bonus that I was really banking on to get me through the next season? Or, you know, for students, how am I going to pass my finals? Um, for those of you who are final year students, um, how am I going to get that internship or that job that I really need? Like, there are so many questions that I think, logically speaking, we're not able to trust in God. Mm. 
but it's really what the angel says next that allows Mary to trust in God. So actually, let's read um, verse 35 to 37 to see what he says. Uh, it says, and this is the angel talking about this. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. So in this passage, pretty much Gabriel is answering Mary's doubts and the question that she asked by putting the focus on the Holy Spirit. And I think this is really important because the question I think Mary's perspective is, how am I going to do this, right? I'm a virgin and the focus is on me or her. Mm. But Gabriel shifts the perspective to God and to what the Holy Spirit is actually going to do. And when we actually read that passage, you'll see, you'll notice this phrase uh, called overshadow you. Mm -hmm. The concept of God who will, quote unquote, overshadow, it just means to cover you. And it was often used to depict God's being with his people in his power. And read it in the tra Passion Translation. It says, The Spirit of holiness will fall upon you, and Almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. So it's this idea of covering, it's this idea of enveloping. It has a little bit of that parallel to even the Israelites when they were in the wilderness, and the pillar of cloud will lead them and guide them and protect them. So God is using his power to envelop, to cover, to protect and to enable his promises to come true. And how do we see this? And we notice that phrase uh, talks about how in verse uh, 35, it talks about how Jesus would be called holy, the son of God. And why is that significant? It's because in order to actually be the sacrifice for our sin, he had to be sinless. He had to be pure. Uh, there's a couple of phrases and cross-references here. We won't read the actual verses, but just so you know that they're there. Uh, John, First uh, John verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 5 talks about how Jesus had no sin. Mm -hmm. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 talks about how Jesus knew no sin. And then 1 Peter 2, verse 22 says Jesus did not sin. So essentially, Jesus is not anywhere near sin. Mm -hmm. uh, he experienced the same temptations with us, but without sin. And I think this is so significant because Gabriel is now talking about this power that enabled Mary to have this virgin birth, which is what allowed Jesus to live this perfect life, which if you trace it then forward onto the cross, which allowed him to die this perfect death and be the sacrifice for our sins. That was the power that enabled all this to happen. And that was the same power that raised Jesus from the grave, you know, the power of God. And I, I know some of us, uh, you probably remember that song called the, the Same Power That Conquered the Grave Lives in Me. We sing that over and over again, and we yeah. love that song, right? And yes. so it's that same power that rose Jesus from the grave that lives in us. That's the same power in us. That's the same power that allowed Mary to have the virgin birth. And that's why that power is so significant, even for us too, demonstrated through Mary, demonstrated through the virgin birth. And one more thing in this passage is that it's also interesting that Gabriel mentions about Elizabeth, how in her old age she was able to have a child. And it's a reminder that I think what Gabriel's trying to do is if God is able to do this in Elizabeth's life, how much more is he able to do this for you? Because Elizabeth was barren and she was childless and that was considered you know, a curse in some ways in that time. So if God could overcome that, how much more could God do something? And I wanted to just reference 
the reason why God did that in Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 15 through 18. This is actually um, the prophecy that the angel gave to Zechariah, who is Elizabeth's husband, Mm -hmm. in predicting that Elizabeth would actually have a child. So this is what the angel says in, in verse 15. It says, For he will be great before the Lord. This is referring to the baby. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So what it's pretty much saying is there's a purpose for why God's power is with Elizabeth and Zechariah. There's a purpose because this child was actually John the Baptist. And the purpose of John the Baptist was to prepare the way for the Lord, which was Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we see here that everything God puts his power on, there's a purpose for it. It's a promise that he wants to fulfill. And we see this in verse 37 because he talks about nothing is impossible with God. And we love that verse, right? Like mm-hmm. nothing is impossible with mm-hmm. God. Yes. Everything, my grades, a plus GPA 4.0, getting the promotion. We like to use that verse, sometimes out of context, um, but we like to use that verse. But it's not just for anything that we want. It's really for God's purposes and to fulfill his promises. So if we look at that verse in a couple of different translations, the Passion Translation says, not one promise from God is empty of power for nothing is impossible with God. Not one promise from God, mm-hmm. of God. In the Amplified, it says, for with God, nothing is or ever shall be impossible. It doesn't say nothing is impossible itself, but with God, mm-hmm. nothing is impossible. And even the New Living Translation says, for the word of God will never fail. It doesn't say you will never fail. It doesn't say your business will never fail. It doesn't say your GPA will never fail. Mm-hmm. But it says the word of God will never fail. And I think the important thing for us to remember is that when we think about God's power, especially during the season and especially with everything happening, is that God's power, his, his unshakable power, it's really for his purposes. It's not for our preferences. Mm-hmm. And anytime we think about things that we want to see happen, mm-hmm. if it's within God's promise, if it's things that he wants to see happen, then there's nothing that can stop that. Yeah. So if he wants you to have joy, if he wants you to be blessed, if he wants you to take a step of faith, if he wants you to share and be upfront uh, with your family about you know, your faith. Many of us were scared of doing that, especially some of us who are new believers, you know, wanting to get baptized, but we're facing a lot of opposition. And maybe some of us are facing a lot of trials with our job, just being faithful at work. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's something that God wants us to do, he's going to give us the power to do that. Not for our own selfish gain, but really for his glory. And, and hopefully that's something that, you know, as we've learned, as we've developed in our lives, that we can also live out. Uh, in this season yeah so I, th- I think it goes back to what we know up here and to really be able to know it in our hearts and live it out so maybe it will be helpful just to share with uh, the congregation maybe just something that you've experienced in your life of god's power um i think one just as you're sharing one particular story comes to mind uh was when we actually came to hong kong for our, our church plant team to start the church back in 2015 we came here without jobs and I remember um, one of the things that we were really praying for God's power to happen was all, all of us, we needed jobs. I think there were 12 of us uh, singles. There was a family who already got a job. And then we were like, Lord, please provide a job because we're here and rent is crazy expensive and there's no way we're going to survive. And my parents were worried because they're like, are you going to be begging on the street like for food? And I was like, no, we're going to find jobs. And so we're praying. And uh, I think 
long story short, um, I had two opportunities. There was only two places that out of the 50 some companies I applied to, only two that got back to me. One was a job in Cory Bay for a startup incubator. And this was something I really was interested in because I had kind of gone through university doing like startups kind of things and I wanted to be involved in that. Uh, but the problem was it was in Cory Bay and we were doing ministry and having life group at CUHK. And so my prayer was, Lord, like give me this job because I need something without thinking about what, you know, because if you're in Cory Bay, it takes an hour and a half to get back to CUHK and it's not going to happen. I'm not going to be able to participate in life group. But lo and behold, I was, I was applying to jobs at CUHK. Um, I just threw out my resume. Only one company gave, got back to me. I passed the first round interview. And here I was like trying to choose between the two. Like, Lord, why would I want to work at a university with a job that I don't really think is that interesting compared to this one that I really feel like will help me move forward in my career? And I just didn't know what to do. But I think there was something in me that felt like, okay, I can't, I did not come here to advance my career necessarily. It's not like that's something I can't look forward to, but that's not the sole purpose, especially if it contradicts what I came to do in order to help plant the church. And as I was doing that, I realized that I had to go with the CHK job. But the problem was, in the second round interview, I slept through it. <laughs> I... <laughs> infamous story those of you who do not know he slept through an interview yes uh, it was a skype Amazing. interview i came back in the afternoon i was like i'll just take a quick nap and then i woke up like two hours later and i was like oh no i missed the interview and that's when you know like you're not gonna get the job anymore right so <laughs> um, god is powerful all, all <laughs> things are possible so i think what ended up happening was the boss was very gracious he rescheduled the interview i got the interview on the spot for chk not Corey bay and i think just reflecting on that i realized i was so faithless because i wanted really what my you know was best for me in my own opinion in my own worldview but god really gave me something so much better and i think i i can 100 percent say it's much better because even that first year we were on that campus we didn't have anywhere to meet as a life group my, I found out my boss is actually Christian, a believer, and he actually allowed us to use our office to host our life group the whole year, that first year. Mm. And it was just really, and I look back and I'm like, wow, that was really a God thing. His power, his work that really allowed some of these things to happen. Mm. So, That's good. so, you know, hopefully, and I share that story, you know, not because I did so many things, but it was really God who worked mm in me it was really god who worked in the whole situation and i'm praying that you know even for the rest of us that we can sense you know there might be things that are just for ourselves and our own preferences compared to things that god wants to do in us and we can choose god in those moments um i think for many of us we might wonder you know what was mary's response and what do i do you know if i sense that god is doing something or he wants me to move forward and i'm powerless but yet God is promises us here. Well, how do I respond? I don't know what to do. Well, let's look at Mary's response just really quickly as we close out and read verse 38. It says, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I mean, from this verse, we notice Mary, she has a heart of surrender. She has a heart of trust. And it's very tender in that sense, uh, very unexpected in many ways. In the New Living Translation, it's translated, and then we'll read it together in the yellow. It says, I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true. And I think some of us are like, what do I do? Like, what steps do I need to take? 
I think sometimes the first thing that we need to do is just accept. Just be willing to accept whatever it is that God wants. I don't think many of us, we've gotten to that point of surrender quite yet to say, God, whatever you want, I'm willing to accept that. Whatever direction you want to take me in, if that's where your power is going to be, I'm willing to accept that. Um, That word servant there in verse 38 in the New American Standard Bible, it means it's translated as bond slave. Other translations as bond servant. Mm -hmm. That, That idea of being a bond slave, it means completely surrendered and obedient to the master. So it's this idea that you don't have any rights. I mean, there's... Slavery in the, in the ancient world wasn't exactly like slavery as we know it today, but still they didn't have many rights. Still they had to do whatever the master had told them. They would sell themselves all right, for a sum so that they can actually work for the master. And the problem is we've oftentimes, when we just think of this idea of servant or like I'm serving God, mm. we've lost this true biblical meaning of what that really looks like because we're like, oh, I just serve, I just come on Sunday, or I'm just part of a ministry team, or I just do a couple things in life room. That's my service to God. And that's how I am a servant of the Lord. But when we really look at the meaning, it's this idea of being just completely surrendered, saying, God, whatever it is that you want me to do, anytime, anywhere, any method, any person, even that person that's hard to love in your life room, I'm sure you have some of those. <laughs> no, no, I love them all. <laughs> Right? Like anytime, any person, any, it's just, I'm, I'm willing, God, whatever it is that you want me to do, and that's being surrendered. So that's, that's for us. A couple questions, right? W- w- who is really in control of our lives? Um, do we see ourselves as a servant of the Lord and of God, our King, or, or is it really for ourselves? Um, another question is, do we have this kind of trust in God's power? especially when we're going through difficulties, do we really believe if if it's within God's promises that God is going to triumph and he's going to overcome whatever it is that we're facing? And then one more thing to think about is when was the last time that you really believed in God to perform miracles in your life? I think some of us, we, we just don't really have faith to believe that God is powerful. He is that big. He is the creator of the universe to do all these things. And just to close out, um, this idea of being a bond slave is really consistent with what we see in the Bible. Uh, I'll just read a couple of verses that ties it into how this is connected to the cross of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verses 19b to 20, in the English Standard Version, it says, You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So we, we didn't have anything you know, that we can merit or earn by ourselves, but it was someone else who purchased us. This is Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15 in the NIV, it says, And he died for all that those who live, read it together, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. In the New Living Translation, that verse says, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live to please themselves. Instead, they will live to please Christ who died and was raised for them. This is the power. And this is the idea of being a bondservant. If we recognize God's unshakable power, then we have this submissive attitude that we're no longer living for ourselves. We're no longer living to please ourselves. It's for someone else. And who is that other person? It's Christ. It's Christ who has died and raised again. This is the gospel, right? Like this is Jesus. Jesus is the promise, right? I, I think for, the, for Mary, it was the promise of having a baby and the promise was Jesus Christ, the baby who would be holy, who would be the son of God that fulfills everything. And not only is he the promise, but he's also the power 
to fulfill that promise. And we see that fulfilled when he actually goes to the cross. We see that fulfilled because the promise uh, for salvation was that someone needed to die because we were not perfect. We were not in control of our lives. And it's only the power of someone's death on the cross and then resurrecting to overcome death, to conquer sin, to give us hope for something so much greater than what we can somehow control by our own lives. That is the only hope that we have. And that is the gospel. That's the good news. And that's why we look forward to Christmas. And that's why we look forward in the, even this Advent season. That's why it's such an unexpected uh, trust that we need to have in this truth that God gives us. And that's why the one thing, um, just even as Pesh said, you mentioned earlier, is that letdowns can cause us to distrust, but God is so worthy of our trust in everything that we do. Amen. Wow, that's a, that's a good word, bro. That's uh, the gospel right there. And we just want to be reminded as we think about how letdowns really do cause a lot of distrust. I know some of you probably experienced a lot of, I can't really trust God, or you're very protected. There's walls around your heart. And I'm just praying that you'll encounter Jesus so powerfully that in this season, in this Advent season, that you'll see that he is worthy of all of our trust as we surrender ourselves. So I was just thinking maybe we could just give some practical steps, some things that we can do together as a church so that we can grow in this trust and to worship him as we head into this Christmas season. Yeah, uh, one, one thing that just firstly comes to mind is just pray for a surrendered heart. I think so many of us, we when we first jump into prayer, it's asking for all these things. You know, it's like, God, give me this. I need this, this grade, this internship, this job, this, you know, relationship. But I think the first thing that sometimes we need to step back is just pray for a surrendered heart. And that might mean just praying and just saying, God, I, I need to accept I need to humble myself. It might include repentance in some of those times. So I just encourage you to spend some time praying for that surrendered heart. Yeah. And then the second thing I would suggest is just practicing being in the presence of God. Uh, I know that sounds a little spooky or how do, how, does, how do you do that? But just practically, it's just acknowledging that he's there. And that's why some of you love listening to music. And sometimes it's good just listening to some praise music and just sensing his presence around you. Uh, look around the beauty that he's created and just praising God for that. Uh, and sometimes just talking with him. I know it's really weird, but I don't think it's weird when you're actually talking with somebody and talking. But you don't have to mumble uh, and people will think you're crazy. But just being able to, in your mind, just talking with God as you're walking and commuting. I think that's another thing of just practicing the presence of God. And that's what you've been doing on the tram rides. That's right. The train. <laughs> just looking yeah. out to the nature, things like that. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Um, the third one is just possess God's promises by memorizing it. Uh, I think sometimes the reason why we get so anxious is because we don't have truth to latch on to in those moments that we feel most anxious or most worried or most fearful. Mm. Um, and sometimes, you know, when you're sitting there anxious, it's not like, you know, if you don't know a promise of God, you're going to open your Bible and then scroll through and then somehow pick a verse that, and then you're like, this verse is Leviticus, you know, the, the, the temple or something like that. You're like, what, what good is this? So sure. it's helpful to memorize some verses. And actually something that our uh, intercessory prayer team prepared was a couple, it was a prayer guideline that I mentioned earlier in the announcements and encourage us to meditate. And just even as Pastor mentioned, practicing the presence of God, Using that as a psalm to memorize, if you actually do that, that will be really, really powerful. And so Psalm 130, that was on the announcements earlier, uh, like 
even using worship songs to meditate and memorize that. There's that song by the Chain and Chain that we mentioned that will lead into prayer for some of those different topics that we mentioned. And so if you do that, I, I really believe as you memorize scripture and scripture really becomes saturated into our minds, then it's really going to change how we go about our days. It's really going to change how we're able to trust God, even the situations that we're not able to. And amen. And the last one is just proclaim God's power in your situation. And sometimes just verbally saying it, there's, there's power in that. Uh, if you remember, we studied in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 37, that nothing is impossible with God, that his promises are not, that they're unfailing. And so whatever you're facing, just say, I declare God's power in this situation. Lord, come and meet me here. Come and work out whatever you desire so that you will be glorified and not myself. So I think if you just practice some of these things on a daily basis, you're going to be able to experience a greater trust, realizing that he is worthy of all of our trust. We wanted to go ahead and close out here and just uh, have a time of just, just singing one song just as a response to God. And I, I know some of you are probably, I don't know how, what position you're in. You're chilling, laying down in your bed, sitting down, whatever. But uh, there's something about posture that I think really allows us to respond to God. And as we're thinking about trusting, I, I want to just challenge us. And, it, I, and this is the best time to do it, right? When you're by yourself. I know some of you are on a Zoom. But I'm just thinking if we can just, as we're singing the song, just with our hands just lifted up right in front of us, just like that. To say, God, I, like, I'm not in control. There's so many unexpected things that are beyond me. And I've been hurt. There have been a lot of letdowns in my life. There have been a lot of disappointments in my life. Things that I've trusted in and then I realized it didn't turn out. But you alone are worthy of my trust. And so you're just kind of with your hands right in front of you. So open hands. Just say, God, here I am. I'm available. Just like Mary said. Uh, do, do what you said you're going to do, Lord. I am your servant the bond servant and just just being able to worship him in this way and afterwards we'll just uh, uh after we sing the song we'll close out here so uh, let's take this time thinking about the message as we talked about how our letdowns produces this heart of distrust but jesus christ is worthy truly worthy of our trust because he will never disappoint us how do we know this it's because of his unbreakable promise and his unshakable power to work in your life so let's worship him right now amen jesus is unfailing and that's why we can fully trust in him all his promises are yes and amen in christ and i just want to challenge us as we depart here and as you go through the rest of this week i pray that whatever letdowns disappointments maybe hurts that you've experienced that is causing you to distrust that you will be able to see the worthiness of Jesus Christ, that he is worthy of all of our trust. And then through that, as we think about his unbreakable promise, as we think about his unshakable power, may this coming week be an awesome week. We're so looking forward to the next couple weeks before Christmas. And let's really come with a celebratory heart because he is good and that he is worthy of everything that we have. So God bless you. Uh, and let me just, let me pray for you. I want to bless you as uh, we depart here. Heavenly Father, I just pray for every single person who's watching this online. Lord, watch over us this coming week. We know that Satan will 
love to just distract us and to discourage us, but remind us, Lord God, that you are truly worthy of our trust because of your unbreakable promise and because of your unshakable power. You will move. You will move and intervene in our situation, and we believe that. Bring the joy in our hearts to be able to worship you during this Advent season as we get it ready for Christmas. That is more than the gifts. It's more than just the food and getting together with friends and family. But it's about a birth of a Savior. God Emmanuel. God with us. God who loves us. And God who demonstrated those things to us. So we thank you for that. So this coming week, may we experience you in a powerful way. May others see how worthy you are of their trust as we live it out for your glory. So we give you all the praise, all the honor, and in Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen. So God bless you. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.